You know, we live in a fast-paced society. Um, we, we live in, in a world of we want everything and we want it now. We, we live in a, a time where we want uh, fast service, we want fast travel, we want fast food, and, and we want it right now. And, and, and what that's led to is um, a, a culture that lacks patience. We, we want everything, but we want it now. We don't, we don't want to take the time or the effort that it might take to gain whatever that is. We just want it now. It's one of the reasons why uh, our culture has embraced uh, things like the lottery and, and, and gambling and things because the idea is it's, it's get rich quick. Like if, if I go and I, I get rich quick, but you know, I've always found it interesting when it comes to the lottery that uh, by and large, the greatest percentage of winners of the lottery um, that didn't have money beforehand are broke within five to 10 years afterhand. And the reason why is, is they never learned how to manage their money. And so they get all this other money and they take the same ideas with it and, and they spend it all. That's just kind of what happens. And, and so we want things, we want to get rich quick. We want our food, we want it right now. I mean, I know I'm not the only one that gets in a drive through line and three or four cars in front of me going, what'd you do, order the entire store? I mean, I don't understand why it takes so long, but we, we want things and we want it now. now one particular area in our culture where we see this is not just in, in what we want and what we desire, maybe in money or in our food or in service, uh, but in the, in the um, area of health and wellness. You see, what we want is people want to be healthy and they want to be well or they want to be in good shape physically, but they want it now. They, they want it right now. They want to be healthy right now. They want to get well right now now we want it right now i mean uh i saw a meme the other day uh, on facebook and it was pretty funny and it was a uh, uh an animal that was a dog that was just pounding the scale just over and over and it said this is how i feel when i've been on a diet for a day and i haven't lost any weight and you just kind of keep hitting it like because eh, you've done all that work for a day I, I don't know about you but i can tell you about me um it didn't take uh it only took me 38 years to get to where i am right now okay and, and so I, if i don't get to where i want to go health wise when it comes to my weight I'm, in a day then uh, there's probably a reason for that i didn't get there in a day so i'm not going to get away from it in a day but we want this now and what this has led to is a couple things it's led us to in the in the medical field a lot of times treating symptoms instead of the problem you see, it's easier, and I'll give you an example. I, I've, I've suffered with some migraines in my past. Sometimes you go to the doctor. I've been to the doctor, and I'll talk to them about my migraines, and they don't really want to try to find what's causing them. They just want to give me a medicine that treats the symptoms. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to just treat the symptoms. I want to know what's causing them. I want to get to the root of the problem. And, and, and it's not just with migraines. It's in everything. A lot of times our Western medicine today is very much geared towards treating symptoms instead of looking at the actual problem. Not all the time, but a lot of the times. And, and, and not only is it that in, in the medical field, but our desire to want health and wellness right now in the immediate, where we are now, has led to a multi-billion dollar supplement industry. And I mean multi-billion dollars of supplements. I mean, it, every few weeks... We, are, we see some new miracle pill, some new miracle diet, some miracle 
maybe drop or some miracle um, drink that if you'll just drink it. Now, I'm speaking from experience, so if you've taken any of that, don't, don't look like I'm judging you. I've tried my fair share of the miracle drinks, the miracle diets, the miracle pills, those miracle things that are supposed to, you know, help me lose weight now. Like, you don't even have to change your diet. You don't have to exercise. Just drink this or take that, and you will lose weight. You don't have to do anything. But let me tell you what I've learned in that. The truth of the matter is, when it comes to your health and, when, and wellness, um, it takes time. It takes patience. It takes discipline, it takes exercise, it takes effort, and it takes change. You see, one of the biggest reasons why I personally have struggled with my weight over the years is because I want to lose weight, but I don't want to make any changes. Some will say, a doctor will say, well, just start exercising. Hello, I've been exercising pretty much my whole life. I'm not one that shies away from exercising. I like to exercise. I like to lift weights. It drives my uh, wife crazy, I think, because I keep asking her to go to the weight room with me. But I love to lift weights. I don't mind exercising. But when you start asking me to cut out certain things out of my diet, no, I'm out. I'm dead. I, no, you mean I can't have that? No, I'm, I'm out. I don't want to make changes. But when it comes to our wellness and our health, you can't continue to do the same thing the same way and expect something different. Matter of fact, that's, that's the definition of insanity. To do the same thing the same way and expect a different result is insane. And, but that's what we do, and that's the culture that we live in. Now, with that in mind, some of you are like, are you about to start preaching a series on our physical health? <laughs> There's a time maybe for that, but no, that's not what I want to preach on. But here's the point. With that in mind, I want to ask you about your health, but it's not your physical health that I want to talk about. It's your spiritual health. Because my big fear is that we are culture that has embraced this quick fix mentality. It's quick fix in everything. If we've embraced that as a culture, my fear is that we might try to embrace that when it comes to our spiritual health. And when it comes to being spiritually healthy, instead of doing what the Bible tells us needs to be done to be spiritually healthy, we either, number one, don't care if we're spiritually healthy. We've kind of given up. I'll just be who I am, and I'm not even going to worry about it. I failed too much, so I'm just not even going to try. Or we want it right now. So, you know, we try to do this, and, and we try to do that. We might see something you know, for the first couple of weeks, and then we're right back to where we were, and then you get frustrated, and you just quit all over again, and we, and it's because we want it right now, and I fear that that's come into the way the church and individuals, Christians, view their spiritual health. They want to be spiritually healthy, but they want it right now, and they're not willing to do what it's going to take. You see, because for physical health to take place, you're going to have to take time, patience, discipline, exercise, and effort, and change, and it doesn't happen overnight, and the same is true when it comes to our spiritual health. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to go from where you are if you're spiritually sick, and many of us are, or just not where we need to be, or some of us are growing, and that's good, but we need to continue to grow, and, and what we need to do is understand that doesn't happen overnight, and so we in here for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at some specific disciplines, some specific exercises, if you will, that, that need to be established in our life in order to gain spiritual health. But before we get into those disciplines, I, I want to point out what spiritual health really is. Because I think there's some misconceptions to spiritual health. Now, before I go any further, I want to make a disclaimer. Okay, and it's not in your notes, but you can write it down. You can walk all the way through this series. 
Matter of fact, some of the stuff that we've ta- we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks is not going to be new. It's going to be a reminder, refresher. Now, some of you, it may be new because you weren't here maybe three or four years ago, and we talked about some of this, but for many of you, it's going to be a reminder. But here's the deal. Knowing this does not mean you're going to be healthy. You see, I, I, I know personally, I know about everything there is to know, more or less, when it comes to what it's going to take to be in good physical shape. My degree from college is in uh, kinesiology management, if you will, and I had to take classes in health and wellness and exercise and nutrition. And some of you are like, you didn't apply much of that. No, I didn't, and that's the point. You can have all of it up here, but if you don't apply it, it's not gonna make you healthy, okay? So I wanna make that real clear. This is not a magic list. This is not just a head knowledge series. It is a series to get into the core of who we are so that we may grow into a spiritually healthy Christian that is a continual process from today or the day you become a Christian until the day you go to be with Jesus. This is a process that is is an everlasting process this side of heaven. And so today what I really want to do is talk about just what spiritual health really is. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, kind of bring you up to date what's going on, and then we're just going to read two verses. But in 1 Timothy chapter 4, this is a letter from Paul to his son in the ministry. He calls Timothy his son in the ministry. And and Timothy is a young pastor, and he's actually at this time, he's pastoring the church in Ephesus. And being a young pastor in a church that was pretty expanded and, and, and pretty big, he faced some issues. And in this letter, Paul addresses the conduct of the church what the church ought to be doing. But he also talks about the conduct of the minister and what the minister needs to be doing. And then in chapter 4, he tells and reminds Timothy that in the end times, towards the latter days, there's going to be an apostasy. People are going to fall away from the truth. Okay, and that's where we are in chapter 4. And so they're going to fall away, and then he gives these instructions to Timothy because that's going to happen. In verse 6, um, he tells them, if you instruct the brethren in these things, that's, that's uh, staying true to the word of God and, and being thankful and giving thanksgiving and all that that we're supposed to do, being sanctified in the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and in the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But verse 7, this is our key for this morning, verse 7 and 8. But reject profane and old wives' fables... And exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Let's pray. God, today I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. And now as we examine it this morning, I pray that I would decrease and your spirit living in me would increase. Lord, I pray that your word would would shine forth in our hearts and our lives today, that you would be glorified and honored and we would follow you in obedience where you lead us to go today is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so in our text, and Paul is in this part of the text, he's addressing the minister. In this text, he tells, um, he actually addresses Timothy about the nature of a pastor or, or of a minister, but he actually addresses the idea of spiritual health in, in this text. And there are really three things that I want us to see. So we're all on the same page 
about doing these spiritual disciplines to, for what the gain is or what the purpose is, which is spiritual health. The first thing I want us to see this morning is uh, what spiritual health is or spiritual health defined. What is spiritual health exactly? Well, Paul writes in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 29, um, he says this. He said, for those whom God foreknew, he predestined, now here's, here's the key, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Okay? So what that says is God, in his foreknowledge, predestined anyone that would come to Christ to be conformed to the image of Christ. The idea is, is that God's desire for his people is to become more like Jesus. That, that's really what that means, to become more like Jesus. He wants us to display his character. He wants us to, to display his thoughts in our life. He wants us to display his actions in our life. He wants us to begin to look to think and to act like Jesus did. He wants us to be conformed to the image of Christ. Now, our text uses the word that is most often uh, used in relation to this idea, and it is a simple word that is in your text in verse 7, and you can circle it or underline it, and it is the word godliness. He says, exercise yourself toward godliness. The word godliness literally means God-like or like God. Now, some will immediately say, I can't do that. There's no way I can be like Christ. That's true, but it's false. Here's how it's true. It's true in that you can't be like Christ immediately. Just like you can't gain your health and your wellness overnight, you don't become exactly conformed to the image of Christ overnight. You see, the Bible talks about this process, and you can write this word down if you want to. It's a big word, but it's a great word in our faith, and it's the word sanctification. And the idea is that from the time you become a believer in Christ, your salvation is settled from that time until the day you die. The desire is for us to be becoming more like God, to be more sanctified, to be set apart, to be more holy, to be more righteous, to be more godly. It's called sanctification, and that is a, not a one time and done thing. That is an everyday continual process. So no, there's no way that you and I can immediately flip a switch and be conformed to the image of Christ. Just like you can't just take a pill or drink a drink and immediately wake up the next day 100 pounds lighter. It doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work that way when it comes to spiritual health either. You see, the truth is we can become more like Jesus. Now, we're never going to be perfect, but we can become more like Christ day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, month by month, year by year, decade by decade. Here's the thing. If you were to look at your life today, ask yourself this question. Am I any closer to Christ? Do, am I any more conformed to the image of Christ on April the 8th of 2018 as I was on April the 8th of 2017? Of 2016. You see, the point is, if you and I are stuck and we're no more conformed to Christ today than we were a year ago, then we haven't been being sanctified. 
we haven't been being conformed to the image of Christ because that is an ongoing process, and that is what spiritual health really is. I don't know about you, but the, the, uh, you know, the, in, in exercise and fitness, um, there's always, if you'll notice, these supplement industries, they never get anybody to, to announce their product that's not in really, really good shape, that looks really good, right? They're in shape, they, they testify, I took this, I lost weight, it's great, it's amazing. And there's a reason for that. It, 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 we look at it and we go, man, it must work. Look at them, they look good. Well, I don't know about you, but if there's anybody spiritually that I need to look like, it ought to be Jesus. And so Jesus is who we're supposed to look like, not other, not other people, not other Christians. You don't compare yourself to me. You don't compare yourself to your Sunday school teacher. You need to compare yourself to Christ. Are you becoming more and more like Christ? Because that's what spiritual health really is. When you are being conformed to the image of Christ, you are spiritually healthy. So that's what spiritual health is. Number two, not only do we know what spiritual health is, but I want us to see that, that there are some requirements that it's going to take to gain spiritual health. Now, in our text, there are two specific requirements that he gives us in order to, to gain spiritual health. Look back at verse 7. He says, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. It's the word exercise exercise. Now, when it comes to our physical health, some don't mind the diets. Now, I'm on the other side of this, to be honest, I've already mentioned that. But some don't mind changing their diet. Some don't mind cutting this out of their diet or, or adding that to their diet or, or whatever. They don't mind that so much, but when you mention the word exercise, they're like, uh-uh, I don't, I'm out. I've had people, now I don't mind, for example, I don't mind lifting weights, but if somebody says you need to get out and run, I'm going to tell them I've done enough running to last two, to last two lifetimes and I don't want to run anymore. I've ran enough, I don't want to do that anymore. But the fact of the matter is, all true studies of health and wellness will tell you, true studies, real studies will tell you that diet alone is not enough. And exercise alone is not enough. You need both. And so if you want to change things in your life and you want to gain health and wellness, you not only need to change your diet, but there's a word that needs to be done in your life. It's called exercise. Now, here's the point. This is true spiritually as well. You see, you and I, there needs to be some spiritual exercises in our lives if we're going to be conformed to the image of Christ. Now, this speaks of effort. The word exercise brings around the thought of, oh, work, effort. It brings around the idea of dedication, of, um, of putting in uh, effort, if you will. I think I already said that word, so I'll say it again. It's, it's just the idea of putting forth some effort towards gaining spiritual health. I think some of us would just rather, wouldn't it be a lot easier if just every night we could take our Bible and we could lay it on our pillow and we just lay our head on it? We wake up the next morning and we're, it's like it just bled into us overnight. I think that's called, I think there's a word for that in science called osmosis or something like that. Is that about right? I'll ask Trent. He's a science guy. But I, I was always told as a student, uh, you don't gain knowledge through osmosis. You actually have to read and apply. But see, that would be a lot easier, but that's kind of what we want to do. That's the thing. You're not just going to gain spiritual health by knowing these exercises. You actually have to practice exercise. 
See, I can, I can bring all kinds of weight equipment up on here, and I can show you how to do a bench press and a squat and a, and a, a preacher curls. That's what they're called. I always thought that was funny, preacher curls. And I can show you all that, but if you don't apply them, they don't help you. And, and so the idea is putting forth there needs to be some effort if you're going to gain spiritual health. It's not going to happen. You actually have to put forth effort. Number two, there's a second requirement for health, spiritual health. Not only is it the idea of exercise, but notice he says, exercise yourself toward godliness. This is the idea of personal exercise. Now, now here's what I mean by that. No one can do it for you. See, it'd be great. It'd be great if every time somebody that I was close, say somebody in my family, Every time they lost five pounds, I lost five pounds. Wouldn't that be good? Or every time they did this, it happened to me. You know, it'd be nice if that was the case, but it don't work that way. You see, if you and I want to gain any physical health, we can watch everyone else do it and, and be good for them, but it's not good for us until we actually do it ourselves. See, no one can do that for you. You guys that are playing football, nobody can do that work for you. You want to get better, you better put in the work. Isn't that right, Colton? you got to put in the work. Or you, you can watch everybody else. And I do, by the way, because I lift with uh, not these guys because they're in the other sport. But I lift most days with our off-season football guys, and I watch them. And I'm sitting there going, you guys aren't going to get very far because one guy lifts and the other three just watch. And I'm sitting there going, it's not going to help you by watching. You actually have to do the work yourself. You see, and when it comes to our godliness and our, and our becoming spiritually healthy, no one can do that for you. This is one of the issues, I think, that, that, that sometimes leads churches and pastors to start separating themselves and disassociating themselves from one another. Here's what I mean by that. There are people in your life that can help you in your spiritual health. Like, I can go down with these guys that lift weights, and I can help them, right? Right? I can show them what to do. I can give them pointers. I can even set an example for them. But I, I can't do it for them. I can help them, but I can't do it for them. Now, here's what I mean by that when it comes to the church and some of their pastors. Here's what I think happens. I think that a lot of people look at their pastor as the one who needs to every week make sure he's bringing a four-course message to be gorged on by the congregation. But in reality, my, my responsibility is to not be a culinary chef. It's to be a culinary instructor. So that when you leave, you can make your own four-course message out of the Word of God that you can gorge on every single day. You see, if the only meat you're getting is on Sunday morning from your pastor, then you're way behind what God wants for you. You see, I'm here to help you, but I can't do it for you. I can give you pointers, so can your deacons and your Sunday school teachers and the people you look up to, your elders, however, they can help you, but they can't do it for you. You eventually have to learn how to do this yourself. And so there's it takes exercise, it takes effort, but it takes personal exercise and personal effort in your life to gain spiritual health. Now, the last thing I want to talk about this morning 
real quick is not only do we know what spiritual health is and, and we understand where spiritual health comes from, what it's going to take. It is going to take effort. It's not going to happen overnight. It takes effort uh, on your part as well as on the, the help you need to get from other people. But here's why we need to do it. And this is the last thing, and that's the spiritual health benefits. Why is this important? Like, why is spiritual health, a.k.a. godliness, becoming more like Christ, or becoming like God, or conformed to the image of Christ, why is that important? Why is it important enough that I feel like God's leading me to spend the next several weeks, for sure, no telling how long, on spiritual health and the spiritual disciplines that it takes to gain it? Why? Look at verse 8, and I'll tell you. For bodily exercise profits a little. I love that scripture, by the way. It, 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 it encourages me um, that, that there is good that can come from bodily exercise. Like it's good for you. And he even says it profits a little. But look at what he said. It continues to say, for bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things. Having promise of the life that now is and that of the life that is to come. You see, godliness is profitable to us. And that text tells us two ways specifically it's profitable. Number one, it's profitable to us right now. Godliness, being conformed to the image of Christ, being spiritually healthy, has profit to us right now. It has a benefit of, that we can see in our lives right now. Some may go, how, do we, how does godliness help us in our life that we live right now? Well, here, here's, some, here's some ways. Um, godliness is profitable in your relationships. Becoming more like Christ is profitable in your relationship between, if you're, if you're married, between you and your spouse. Because it, it, godliness, true godliness, is being like Christ. And I don't believe there was anyone more committed to his, his, his people and his bride than Jesus was. I mean, the Bible tells us that Jesus loved his bride so much that he willingly laid down his life for his bride. So it's profitable in our relationships. It's profitable in our relationships with our, our children, with our co-workers. There's, see, godliness it leads us to be loving. Godliness leads us to be patient. Godliness leads us to have grace and have mercy on people. It leads us to be honest. And I don't know about you, but um, um, honesty is vital in any relationship. I, I, I told my daughter just the other day, it's, it's true, that trust takes a, a while to build, but it can be broken in an instant. And that, that lack of that trust is broken when someone's dishonest, when you lie or you, uh, you do something along those things. But godliness leads us to honesty. It leads us to being faithful. It, it just leads us into all these characteristics. I mean, you can talk about them like the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are great qualities that you and I don't get on our own. That's why they're called fruit of the Spirit. And the more conformed to the image of Christ you are, the more the Spirit will show up in your life. And that has profit in your relationships. It has profit in your work. 
Um, it teaches you to work hard, to have good character, to be dependable, to, to be honest in your business efforts. It even profits you in, in your outlook on life. We, we have people today that are so broken down and so beat down because of what's going on around them when they look at, at maybe the government or they look at all the, the, the quarreling or the division or, or all of this that's going on and they're like, I don't know what, and it leads them to be depressed and feel like there's no hope, but godliness is full of hope. And so there is an immense amount of profitability to being spiritually healthy in the here and now. It gives you a Christian, Christ-like outlook on life, which is needed in our day and age. But not only does it tell us that it's profitable now, the other reason why we need to look at this idea of spiritually healthy being godliness is because it profits in the life to come. You see, the godliness that we exhibit in this life is directly related to our time and our rewards in heaven. Matter of fact, I want to read you a couple verses of Scripture, and then we're going to be done this morning. Um, you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because I'm going to read that one in particular in a second, but I want to quote one to you uh, from Matthew chapter 25. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 25. He, he's talking to his disciples, and he says that, that when, when, uh, when God comes, he is going to separate um, the people. He's going to separate them, uh, the sheep, which are his children, from the goats. And this is what he says in Matthew 25. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, inherit the kingdom that's prepared for you. For, and he gives the reason, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. You see, doing those Christ-like characteristics in your life pay dividends. Now, I'm not telling you, don't take this the wrong way. That doesn't mean you can work your way into heaven. That's not possible. But do you know the Bible tells us that we ought to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? Because the truth of the matter is, and this is what James would say, um, some of you would say, I, I can have faith, some have faith, some have works. But what's James say? I will prove you my faith by my works. You see, the truth of the matter is, works in your life don't save you, but they prove that you're saved. And if you go through life without any works at all, I can't tell you you're lost. That's not my place, but I could definitely tell you I'm afraid for your salvation. Because true faith is always accompanied by works, by character, Christ-like qualities in your life. So there is an eternal perspective of that. But here's the one I really want to read to you. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and it's verses 11 through 15. And I promise we're almost done. Listen to what the Word of God says. This is Paul writing to the church in 1 Corinthians 3. Now listen, starting in verse 11. He says, No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation of our faith, Okay. That's it. There is no other foundation. You try to lay any other foundation, and your foundation is going to crumble. It's going to crack. It's going to fade away because there is no other foundation other than Christ. But look at what he says. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation 
with, listen what he says, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day, this is the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of the, what sort it is. Listen, if anyone's work which he has built on, built on the foundation, this is the things you do on your foundation, Jesus is your foundation and then your works are built up on it, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Now listen to the rest of that. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, yet as through fire. See, this is a text that is revealing to us the way our eternal rewards work. You see, once we come to Christ, when we, once we become a child of God, based off the foundation of faith in our life, faith only, not in what you can do, not in your church, not in your church attendance, not in your baptism, not in any of those things. Faith in Christ, He's the foundation. And then on top of Jesus is all of the works that you and I will ever do. And Paul says those works are either built on with gold, precious stones, and that, that kind of stuff, which are good works, right? We would admit that stuff's good or wood, hay, and stubble. And then the fire, the refining fire of Christ will reveal it at the day of the Lord, at the judgment. Here's what's going to happen. All of our works, all of them, are going to go through the refiner's fire. This is the picture he's given here. It's going to go through the refiner's fire. If you built on gold, with gold, precious stones, and those kind of things, it'll be purified because even our good works, right, are like filthy deeds. They're still good, but they're, they're not pure because we're not pure. But Christ will purify the good works. But the works we do that are bad, the wood, the hay, the stubble, completely consumed. And then on the other side, no reward. The person will be saved. That's what Paul says. The person will be saved, but he loses reward in eternity. You see, we, we like to think that, that, that everybody's going to get the same. The Old Testament says it like this. Uh, better is... One day in your courts and a thousand days away from him. Heaven is a great place regardless whether or not you have any rewards or not. It's better than the alternative. But our rewards in heaven that we have to enjoy for eternity are directly tied to our godliness. Directly tied. There's no way around it. Now, you may not have any godliness in your life but have a relationship with Christ. And yes, you're going to be in heaven. I don't know what that looks like because he doesn't take it any further. He doesn't take it any further. We don't know what exactly that looks like, but we do know that those who build on, on the foundation of faith in Christ with good things have reward, and those who don't have nothing. That's what we know. So there is profitability in being godly now and in eternity. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to start looking at some of these disciplines, some of these exercises that need to be a part of our life. Again, don't take this as, okay, he's going to talk about these for six or seven weeks or however long, and then we're going to move on to something else. These are disciplines that are not supposed to ever be absent from our life. Ever. These are, for some of you, they haven't been absent, praise God. For some of you, they have. For some of you, had no idea. That's the whole point, though, is to look at so that we can all gain spiritual health and then gain the benefits of being spiritually healthy now and spiritual health that will benefit us in eternity.